This is Thursday Finance and Barry Preston Commodities. Let's take a look at what's happening this week. Actually, it's been reasonably quiet on the markets. When you look at the commodities, uh, there's not much movement at all. Gold is, uh, it appears to have dropped about 26 uh, Australian dollars or 1.87%. It's down to 1,389 Australian per ounce. Silver uh, went uh, went up slightly, 22 cents, which uh, didn't even register on the uh, percentage card, but it's $21.68 per ounce silver. Copper. Interesting, copper went up $158 or just 2% at 7221 per tonne. Uh, nickel, very little jump with nickel, $257 or 1.5% to 17468 Tin uh, went the other way, it dropped $112 or a half of 1% to 24848 Now, currencies, very, very quiet on the currency uh, situation. The probable, Probably the biggest mover of the lot, I suppose, was the American dollar. We strengthened slightly to 92.4 at the moment, which was 92.16 last week. In other words, it cost you approximately 108 Australian cents to buy one American dollar. Now... Uh, the British pens, very little change there, still 55.6 British pence to the Australian dollar. Chinese yuan rinbi, very little change there, of course. Well, it didn't even move, it was 5.72, same as last week. And the New Zealand currency, 107.8, that's up 0.6 of one cent. We've strengthened there. We have also strengthened slightly against the euro to 67.1 euro cents. And Canada, we've strength. Well, now we got a little bit weaker. There we're down from 102.3 Canadian cents last week to 101.9. Heading off to Tonga, maybe not. Well, anyway, if you do, you'd probably get approximately 1.698 Tongan Payangas, I think they call them. P A A N G A with a hyphen in the middle. Oh, I'd like one. one of those. You can have some. There you are. So it's cost you about 0.588 cents Australian to buy one of those uh, Tongan currencies. Pay angers. Uh, the markets, the All Ordinaries is up 21 points over the week or 0.4 of 1% to 5,408. The Dow, even though we've heard a lot of jumps and jumps, it's only up 305 or 1.8% to 16,573. Why it's up, I have no idea. And the NASDAQ, 4,276 ahead 103 or 2.46. That was probably one of the bigger movers. Over the week, the FTSE, the UK FTSE, up 54 points to 6,659, or just under 1%. The Japanese Nikkei, up 3% to 14,946. Even though they're pumping billions of uh, Japanese yen into the market there, it doesn't seem to be doing much. The Hang Seng is ahead 636 points, or 2.7%, to 22,523. And, of course, oil. Oil. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, the paper's full of reports. Oh, uh, look. Uh, how well, I think one of the papers has ripped off. Yep. I can't disagree with that. I mean, how do you prove it, though? For the simple. But when we look at we talk about that the Bowser, we look at the NRMA average price. Now, the Central Coast is 158.2, which is down 1.8 cents. Newcastle, we are 160.1, we're down 1.2 cents. But we're still higher than the Central Coast. And it couldn't cost 1.2 cents per litre to get from there to here. No way. Especially when Musselbrook is cheaper. Well, you know, there's something wrong somewhere. Uh, anyway, mm. maybe the Petrol Commissioner might find... Hang on, does he... Yeah, anyway. Is he having a look? Diesel, Newcastle Diesel, Newcastle Diesel is down 
0.004 of 1 cent. Hey, that's a big drop to 160.4. And the Central Coast is 161.1. Guess what? We're cheaper in diesel. Ah. That's something. Thankful for small moments. Oh, and by the way, Sydney motorists must be happy. They're down 9.4 cents a litre to 149.9. And their diesel is 157.2. Now, we are coming in on those things. Newcastle, the Central Coast and Sydney, we're in third place. Hmm. I know it's not a race, but there is something dramatically wrong. And everyone that's supposed to be doing something about it is doing what we call the ostrich dance. (laughs) Head in the sand. Look, it should be heading down based on the currencies. Let's have a look at West Texas Intermediate. That's the American oil is up a dollar to uh, 107.75 Australian per uh, West Texas Intermediate barrel. That's the uh, oil that they use in America or the benchmark oil. Our tapas oil, 117.13. We're down 4.04, 4 $4.04. We're down, which is 3%. Yet when you look at them over a period of time, we've only dropped 0.7% at the Bowser. So somebody's making a lot of money, and it's certainly not the motorist. On to a new RFM, 23 past 12. Thursday Finance is the program, and Barry Preston, it's time for our market snapshot with Henry Jennings. And, of course, comments made during our program are for general discussion. You must always seek your own advice, and a product disclosure statement should be obtained and considered before obtaining a financial product. Staff associated with Pritchard & Partners, Proprietary Limited, or BBY Stockbrokers Limited, may trade in shares and companies mentioned on this program. Pritchard's Financial Services Licence, two. Six seven one two BBY two three eight zero nine five Henry the Reserve Bank steady as she goes with yeah. rates in view of no major challenges. I really don't see any change for many months, unless of course Look, house prices. I cannot see any change this year, to be honest, Barry. I mean, the Reserve Bank is caught um, between a rock and a hard place, I guess. They're trying to get the Aussie dollar down to get us to be more competitive, um, and that would entail cutting rates, but inflation is kind of up towards the top end of their target, and we have got a runaway housing boom at the moment, especially in places like Sydney's inner west and eastern suburbs and various other places in Melbourne as well. So the RBA has got some issues, and uh, I think the balance will be kept for some time to come. I think so. BHP, there's talk of a spin-off of some of its non-core assets. Now, it seems that we may go back to where we were before the merger of the the South South African Billiton in 2001. Now, some of these spin-offs, I believe, have already happened in Australia, USA, Canada and uh, South Africa. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they put Humpty together. Uh, some some years ago when they formed BHP Billiton, um, and now they're trying to break Humpty, ap- uh, Humpty apart again. Um, <laughs> they, these these sort of breakups and mergers tend to go through phases. You know, we saw um, Westfield do the same. They split into two. They uh, they they pulled Humpty apart. Now they're putting Humpty back together again. So um, it's it's good fees for investment banks, um, and um, you know, there's obviously some some shareholders and some institutions out there that don't really like what they see with BHP because it's very hard, you know, it's concentrated on the iron ore business and and the petrol business and um, the rest of it doesn't really get a value. So they're trying to put a value on the bits that no one likes. So it'll end up being good BHP and bad BHP. But but they have been selling off a few things. They sold something today to a stock called Cassini Resources. Um, They sold one of their um, West Musgrave projects and and Cassini have gone up by nearly 400% today on the back of that deal. Wow. Why? I know. Well, because it was a two, $2 million company with very little in it, and they put this thing into it from BHP for very little money, and now it's a $10 million company. 
we're far to the limit. How many hundred million did you buy of it? No, don't, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just off to my yacht now, Barry. Are you? Yeah. On, on the way past Asic. I left mine in the bathtub this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Iron What's the latest on that? And also gold, with all this turmoil going on, gold hasn't done anything. No, gold's been very disappointing, I have to say, having sort of topped out around sort of 1370-ish when, uh, when uh, Vlad the Impaler was, um, was invading various Eastern European countries. Um, it's, it's subsequently fallen all the way back to under 1300 again as, as things have calmed down, although um, you know, there's still sanctions in place. We've also seen iron ore bounce pretty solidly off that $100 level, which it did hit in a bit of a flash crash, so that's bounced back up uh, and got back up to 117 the other day. So um, that's been pretty positive for the um, iron ore miners and the miners in general. Mm. One of your reports was interesting that some commentators are saying that the All Ordinaries Index will go higher and higher and higher. Well, now, when you look at it from a common sense point of view, and I think you mentioned this in your four banks, Telstra, Westfield, Woolworths, Woodside, BHP and Rio Tinto make up over 50% of the market. They've got to go up a long way to push the All Ordinaries up further. They have. I mean, the problem we have is that back in September 2011, you could have bought all four banks for 100 bucks. They're now $180. They've had a fair run. Um, they are expensive on most sort of global metrics. Um, so it's hard to see a massive, massive outperformance from the banks. So if the banks aren't going to do it, then you have to look at what is, and then you look to sort of the BHPs, the Rios, the Fortescues, the Telstras. Telstras not that exciting. Um, you know, it's pretty steady, great yield, etc., etc., great business, but it's not going to punch the lights out. And uh, BHP and Rio, well, that's dependent on the iron ore price. They can't really do it. Um, I can't see. I know there's some people calling it 6,000 at the end of the year. I am not quite as bullish as that. I have no, to say. I don't think so either. But then we've been wrong again. Now, One. high frequency traders. It seems a way to beat them. Will you'll need a degree in pure mathematics, an expert in international information technology, an engineering degree, and of course the latest one, common sense. How are we going to beat them? There's a lot of talk about this at the moment. Some of the experts that have loved it once upon a time are not so happy about it now. Well, this is all. There's been a massive, massive discussion in the U.S. this week uh, because uh, one of Wall Street's most famous authors, a guy called Michael Lewis, who back in the, uh, I guess, in the late 80s, wrote a famous, or relatively famous book, I guess, called Liars Poker, has written another one uh, called Flash Boys, which looks at the uh, at the high frequency trading practice. Now. I'm really good. I, I, I'm a fantastic trader, but these guys at somewhere like Virtue, which is um, a, a high-frequency trader in the U.S., they've had one losing day in five years. Now, huh? you can't tell me that that's not rigged somewhere along the line. Even casinos, where the house always wins, would never have a record like that. So uh, there's a lot of inquiries in this high-frequency trading, and I, I think at some stage it is going to be bashed on the head um, and trying to get back to a level playing field because it does, you know, we see it every day in the Australian market, the computers uh, jumping over each other before you've even oh, pressed no. the enter yeah. button. It, it's extraordinary. Um, it happens in the States. Um, you know, one day out of five years that they've lost money. Um, That's not true. Can't, you, that can't you, be right. But you can't is, tell me that that is that is right. I mean, it's it's been a fantastic business. This virtue, they were going to IPO it until all this scandal uh, came out in the U.S. And um, you know, we've even now got the FBI in the U.S. looking at high frequency traders. Mm. Not quite such a big problem in Australia, um, but um, it is still a problem.
In the news, Nathan Tinkler said to be looking at a coal mine owned by Peabody in the Wilkie Creek mine. Uh, I think it's the Wilkie Creek mine in Queensland. They're back mm. into the coal again. Has he got any money? I don't know. Well, he didn't. Did he pay for Newcastle Knights? I don't know. I don't think so. I no. don't think he's got any money. I mean, I've, I've looked at coal mines. Have you? Yeah, but what? I'm not, never going to buy them. <laughs> I don't think he is anymore. <laughs> this, this, this last one, and then we'll um, have a bit of a break and head overseas. The executives of Woodside Petroleum, it was said, or it was in the paper, or one of the uh, yeah. news things, that they missed turning up for signing of the Israel 2.4 billion gas deal. Seriously? I think they must have had a big night the previous night, slept in or missed their alarm call, because it is, it is quite extraordinary, isn't it? You would think that you would rock up to that. Uh, maybe there's a bit of brinkmanship being played here. Um, the price seems to be sort of changing. Um, it's, well, not so much the price. The price seems to be fixed. It's just how much they get of the project for that kind of money um, keeps changing a little bit. So, um, yeah, we're, we're yet to see the, um, the final announcement there. But um, obviously a very good night the previous night to celebrate that deal and then not turning up to sign it. Maybe they forgot the time, the time difference overseas. Yeah, yeah that could be right. Barry Preston, this is Thursday Finance and podcast. We're with Henry Jennings, and we're just about to hop in our yacht and head overseas. Henry, the biotech, the Nasdaq, I think it was, got a bad taste. Why did some of those uh, and some of the big high techs went down, down, down? What happened? Um, well, I think it's, it's it's they've had such a great run, Barry. I mean, a lot of these uh, a lot of these stocks are full of an awful lot of hot air at the moment, and um, you know there has been some some pricking of that particular bubble. Um, we saw it, I guess it, it it started a little bit before, but there was a stock called um, King, which does the uh, the Candy Crush game that people play on Facebook. Never played it, but apparently it's very addictive. Um, they listed and came on at a, a, a big discount, about 15% discount, and that did tend to take some of the wind out of some of the tech stocks. And we also had a number of uh, biotechs falling in the same basket, and, and over here we've had some biotechs come up with some pretty uh, pretty bad sort of test results. So that's really whacked the sector as well um, in places not just in the U.S., but over here too. Mm. Now, who said leopards don't change their spots? An Apple tax, an Apple tax director from, I think it was from 1983 to 1993, now says the changes suggested by the uh, Organisation of Economic, what is it, uh, the OECD, mm. may make profit shifting illegal, and they should in some aspects. I'm, I'm, the one thing that surprises me about this is that Apple actually have a tax director, seeing as they don't seem to pay a lot of tax anywhere. That's <laughs> probably um, um, it's, he's obviously doing a very good job of, uh, of sort of hide the, uh, hide the lady, I think, with that one. They, these, um, these big high-tech companies, because the Internet is a global um, business, they tend to put their um, costs where they can and their profits where no one can find them. Um, usually Ireland or Liechtenstein or one of those kind of places. Under the or or even where the MH370 is. Um, so, you know, that they do try and hide these, uh, this money, um, it, not even below the, below the mattress anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite brazen, but, uh, mm-hmm. but they don't seem to pay a lot of tax, and worryingly. Well, now, Goldman Sachs, sorry, Goldman Sachs is leading yeah. the New York Stock Exchange trading floor after many years. It is, it Why? is. 
Um, I don't know. It's a long commute. It's it's hard to get into. Um, I think that you know the, 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 this this goes back again to this high frequency trading that they they really not seeing the benefits of owning what they call a, uh, it's a DMM, which is a, a direct market maker on the New York Stock Exchange. Bearing in mind they paid um, six and a half billion for the business um, that encompassed this DMM um, some years ago, um, and they're selling it to another firm for about $50 million. So, um, so, that, so they've done well. Yeah. They've, they've done really well. Absolutely. So they bought it, um, yeah, it, um, bought it back in 2000, and um, they're getting $50 million for it. So to a Dutch firm, IMC Financial. So, um, I'm talking mm. billions and trillions, and it's, you know, I, I can't. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It does. You may know a lot about this one. It's a UK, uh, I don't know whether it's a company or group, it's called Offgem, but it is said, whoever it is, that the six largest retail energy suppliers' profits were approximately £233 million in 2009. Now, these are mm. energy supplies, and in 2012, they're $1.1 billion, but there's no evidence of the suppliers being more efficient. Now, this seems to be a worldwide trend. That's not happening in Australia. Oh, no, 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 no. No, well, of no, course, no. in Australia, no. they just blame the carbon tax. Okay. Um, Ofgem is the, um, is the sort of uh, UK regulator of, uh, of power generators. Uh, so, yes, I mean, it, it's quite worrying. I know everyone's seen their own power bills go up and up and up and up, which, you know, I'm, I'm not sure the, reg- the, uh, the company's getting um, certainly more efficient and so making more money, but the, the cost of it is certainly going up, and it's not just the carbon tax. These guys are gold-plating their networks and, and investing in infrastructure, which they should have done years and years ago and passing the cost directly straight on to us. Mm, anyway. Henry, thank you very much indeed. Keep safe. And when are you on Sky next? Um, I was due on tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, but I, I declined that particular one, so mm-hmm. I have to wait till next week. Okay, my friend. Keep safe. See you next week. Cheers. It's 19 to 1 on 2 and URFM. This is Thursday Finance. And Barry Preston, special guest to tell us about a rather interesting opportunity. This, this is fantastic. This, this is really interesting. We have today a young lady called Bianca Moore, and she has an in-depth understanding of the Australian philanthropic sector. That's all. Word test, isn't it? After working for many years in the JB Ware Philanthropic Services Division, she's now with Share Gift Australia, focusing on mobilising a new stream of funds by sh- donating one's shares to charity. Now, Bianca, what is Share Gift Australia? Hi, Barry. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Pleasure. ShareGift Australia, we are a registered not-for-profit organisation and we make it easy for people to donate their shares to charity. So really, if you think about the ways that people can support the community, most people would know the traditional ways of either donating cash or volunteering their time, but we want to be seen as another way that you can support the community by donating your shares. Well... This is brilliant, actually, because as brokers, we quite often find clients think they're selling all their shares, but forget that they have what's called a DRP, Dividend Reinvestment Program, in place. And when they sell, a month or so later, they get a mail, and it's a little something in the mail that says, you're holding 12 shares in something, and they might be worth 50 or 30 or 40 or $50. Now, selling them would cost more than they're worth, so they get this piece of paper, and every six months now, they're going to get a small dividend, it's got to be tax calculated, etc., etc. So this is brilliant. 
Mm, it's a, it's a really unique way to be able to support the community, and we do work with listed companies to enable their shareholders to donate those small parcels of shares. Mm-hmm. So what we do is have a number of partnerships with some supporting brokers, and those brokers waive the fees that are associated with those share sale transactions. So it means that the donor does not pay any brokerage fees and that 100% of the sale proceeds go to charity. Now, is it possible for me to recommend a charity I'd like to like the proceeds to go to and do charities seek donations from this Share Gift Australia? So the way that our model works is that if the value of the share sale proceeds exceeds $50, the donor can recommend a charity that they would like the proceeds to be um, donated to. So on our donation form, there's a special box there where you can recommend a charity and that recommendation goes to the board. And to date, we've donated to over 330 charities, which are actually all listed out on our website. So all of those charities that we've donated to have come from recommendations from donors. Well, that's fantastic. And if anyone's listening, uh, get your pen and paper ready because at the end of this uh, little talk, we're going to give you the contacts for this. Now, could you mention how many... Oh, you you have. Yeah, you just mentioned that 330. Is it growing at that's all, right. do you find, or not? Is it the is, growing? yeah. So we're finding that as our you know profile raises, you know, is, is raised in the community, more and more charities are being nominated by donors, which mm-hmm. is just fantastic. You know, so we're, we're just about to make a distribution in the next couple of weeks and more charities will be added to that register. Mm-hmm. So I should say that the charities that we've supported to date, they're all DGR1 charities, so they have to have that specific status mm-hmm. and they've all been recommended by donors and we've actually over-allocated in all of those cases. So the recommendations come to the board and every quarter we make distributions to those charities. Now, must all donations be in the form of shares? Our core model is really enabling shareholders to donate their shares. In saying that, we can certainly accept cash donations and the same policy would apply. So if it's over $50, you can recommend a charity that comes to the board for distribution. Mm -hmm. But really, our core model is about share donation and making it as easy as possible for for shareholders to donate their shares. Now, do listed public companies use the facility to donate small parcels of shares, possibly from share buybacks or lost contacts with shareholders? Yes, absolutely. So this is this is a really um, exciting area for us. So we work closely with listed companies and share registries. So we're endorsed by Link Market Services and Computer Share, who we work closely with. And you know, there's been a number of companies where ShareGift has been added as an alternative option to some of these projects. So as an example, in 2012, we worked with AMP. In their small shareholder sale facility, they included share gift as an option, which was just fantastic. So these are the, the these are the really exciting ways that we can work with listed companies in promoting share gift and enabling their shareholders to donate some shares. Wow, this is this is sounding great. Now I know it's not an incentive, but some people are interested in this. Are tax deductions? So I'm going to donate my shares. I've got a small parcel of shares, and I contacted you guys, and we'll get to that in a moment. Yes. Um, yes. My, uh, can I get a tax deduction? Is it available? And should one make this? Should one make this gift? Can I get a tax deduction? Absolutely. So this is the other big benefit to the donor. Share Gift Australia. We are actually a registered charity, so it means that if you donate your shares, 
you are actually entitled to a, a tax deduction based on the full value of that donation. And that's because, as I mentioned before, the brokers that we work with waive the brokerage fees. So if the donation is over $2, you'll receive that tax deduction for the full value. And then after the shared sale transaction has taken place, we send the donor a tax receipt letter for their records. Oh, fantastic. Well, we have a special guest today, and it's the first time they've ever done a radio interview, and of course, 2NURFM gets that one. Thursday Finance is the program, and we're looking at an innovative way of getting rid of some small parcels of shares, Barry Preston, and doing some good in the community. This is brilliant, and we have uh, Bianca Moore with us today, who's in the philanthropic sector of this uh, uh, idea called Share Gift Australia. And uh, Bianca... Does ShareGift Australia, when the shares are donated by a person, hold for any length of time or are they sold quickly and proceeds distributed quickly? They're sold pretty quickly, Barry. So providing that the shares are actively trading and that we have all the correct details, the whole process usually takes around five to ten days. Then what we do is pull those proceeds and every quarter the board makes distributions to those charities that have been recommended by donors. Wow. Now, how would Share Gift Australia make a gift to charity? Let's, let's look at it from a general process sort of thing. We've, I've donated some shares like a lot of other people too and it's the end of the quarter and you're getting ready to donate to charity. What do you actually do? So what we do, we've got a very simple one-page donation form. On that donation form, if a donor wishes to recommend a charity, there's a place on the form where you can write that charity name down. We transact that share sale for you on your behalf. We also take down the name of that recommended charity and we put that forward to the board every quarter. So that's how we make those distributions. It's all based on the recommendations of donors. So I probably should say that we're actually cause neutral. It means we don't support any particular cause like homelessness or disadvantaged youth. We are cause neutral and we make our, recommenda- make our donations based on those recommendations. Okay, so for Share Gift Australia, we mentioned earlier in the program or our interview that how, where, how can one make contact with Share Gift Australia? So here we go. What is your website? So our website is www.sharegiftaustralia.org.au. Mm-hmm. What about your phone number? Our phone number is 1300 731 Okay, fantastic. Now... Say I don't have access to a computer. What now? All you need to do is give us a call on that 1300 number mm-hmm. and we can certainly either email or post a donation form to you. So we're there to make it as easy as possible. So if you don't have access to a computer, don't worry. Give us a call. We'll send out a donation form to you and then you can send it back to us filled out and we'll take care of the rest. And it's very simple, Bianca, and that number is 1300 731 632. And what is your website? ShareGiftAustralia.org.au. Bianca from ShareGift Australia, thank you very much indeed for being with us today. You keep safe and we hope that this goes from strength to strength. Thanks so much, Barry. Thanks for talking to me. Bye. 
And Bianca Moore from Sharegift Australia. Thursday finance, and we're getting towards the end, but small parcels of shares. Why would you be left with a small parcel of shares? Okay, Jane, you want to sell, and a lot of people are selling their IAG shares and buying and so forth, but some people that have held them for a long time think, I will sell these, but they don't realise that they're in the process of the dividend reinvestment, and they and they've gone ex-dividend, and they want to sell. Now, here's your choice. The shares can go up, the shares can go down, and you really need the money now. So you think, oh, if I hang on, I might have to, I will get a small parcel. Oh, look, Dad, don't worry. Sell the shares, but you're going to end up with a very, very small parcel of shares. Here is the answer. There is no cost, and you're donating those to charity. Fantastic, and you will get a tax deduction form sent back for you. So sharegiftaustralia.org.au, and the phone number one three hundred. Seven three one six three two. Thank you, everyone. Keep that safe. is Thursday Finance for today, and we will be heading for the news on two NURFM. Stay tuned next week after the midday news for Thursday Finance.